Hello and welcome to CIO Leadership Live New Zealand. I'm Cathy O'Sullivan, Editor-in-Chief for CIO in Asia-Pacific. Today, I'm joined by David Healy. David is the Chief Digital Officer at Balance Agri-Nutrients. David was part of our CIO 50 in 2022. He's got more than 20 years of experience leading change management initiatives for startups, public organizations, and private companies developing and delivering transformational programs. He has worked for a number of well-known Kiwi brands, including Icebreaker and Kathmandu. Kia ora, David. How are you? Hey, how are you doing, Cathy? Thanks for having me today. Uh, Really looking forward to the chat. Oh, great. No, I'm really looking forward to hearing more more about balance and also about your experience of of transformation and leadership. Um, So can you tell us a bit more about the organization and what your team does there? Yep, so Balance as an organization is a farmer cooperative, so it's formed by farmers to go forward. Our purpose really is to help farmers create the best soil and food on earth. And how we do that is we specialize in importing and manufacturing nutrients uh, to help soil productivity. And also there's two other businesses we run. One's called Seals Winslow, and basically they're they're to do with animal nutrition and on-farm. So if you think of pasture-fed animals, this is how do we drive a healthy animal? How do we make sure they're well-fed? Uh, both through our fertilizer business and our feed business. The uh, other business we have is an aerial top wing um, spreader called Super Air, and that's truly leading the industry with its geospatial and GPS technologies uh, and a huge part. So what do we do as a role? And um, Part of the role I do is obviously to set the vision and strategy like a lot of C-level leaders, but my department's responsible for all aspects of IT across the balance groups, all three organizations. We also have an enterprise solution team, which is more of an innovation team. They focus on analytics, machine learning, AI, and geospatial to really drive that on-farm value. That's basically what we do and what the organization's about. So it's a big role and obviously, you know, a very, very important sector for for New Zealand. And you've been working, as I said earlier, you know, for for well-known Kiwi brands. um, And transformation was obviously a huge part of what you did in those roles and what you're doing now. Um, And transformation is often thrown around, you know, as a word, as if it's a given, it's just happening all the time. But, you know, it's it's not an easy thing to do. So can you talk us through, um, you know, how that approach has taken shape in your own career? What's been your approach to to transformation? Yeah, I think the first thing I'll start on is my disclaimer of what I think transformation is, because for different people, it means different things. And I think this is where you feel you need the whole, this is the views of David Healy, not the views of the organization piece. But um, as far as transformation for me, what it isn't is digital enablement. It's not continuous improvement. It's not when you're doing productivity and efficiency drives. A tra- true transformation should be creating a new channel, new line of business, or it should be exiting a line of business or channel or changing the product and service in such a way that you're going to change the way the company works. So transformation for me has always come from a customer lens. Um, So lots of people find ways to transform business, but me, it's the old adage, which is walk a mile in your your customer's shoes. So you go out and speak to your customers and you you remove the constraints of your business of how you actually uh, deliver, because there's lots of reasons why you don't do things, but focus purely on what the customer wants and how that service should show up. Then you walk your supply chain back. That tends to be where the best transformation happens because you've got the customer at the forefront of that change as you go forward. So for me, also when you go out and speak to your customers on a regular basis, you find new opportunities and things you haven't thought about. 
where this is where you create the new lines of businesses where suddenly you've got a new way or a new digital tool you can bring to that farmer to help solve their problem. So for me, transformation is, is very specific, um, as in it's to change the organization, but it's done from a customer lens back rather than the organization transforming itself for the sake of transformation. So just expanding on that um, a little further, you know, you obviously start with that customer lens. Are there any kind of key steps you think CIOs must take along the way when, when, they're, when they're starting this transformation? Uh, 100%. The, the, the one that comes to mind to me always, and it's any change, transformational or otherwise, is the why. So it's all good starting off doing a transformation, but why? What's the key outcome? What are you driving for? What, what, what does Nirvana look like when you get there? Because if you don't have that in mind, there's no point doing a change of transformation. On larger transformations, if you're doing a multi-year one, which could involve in uh, departments being closed down or big changes to businesses going forward, if you've not got that movement of a reason why, change becomes very, very difficult. It's hard enough as it is. So I really say get your why, get your reason why in the, the piece nailed at the front, uh, which is really going to help drive through. And that's how you start. But when you get to those crossroads as you're going down, which projects always get to, that's your North Star that helps you make the right decision. So having that right allows you to, to navigate that project and program at work. And the other thing that I learned as well was not have it very well defined at the beginning. Don't have your how completely defined. Have where you're going completely defined because the beauty is in getting people to help you shape the how. And also on there is I've yet to run a project where you haven't had to navigate, turn, do something slightly different as you go along. It allows you more flex if you keep your goal in mind. So for me, the important that part of a transformation is being very clear on why you're doing it. Yeah, that, that's that's great advice. And I love that bit as well about the flexibility on, on how you get to that North Star. It's it's so important. So you mentioned there that, you know, change can be hard, you know, and you obviously encounter some uh, roadblocks along the way. So what, what are some of those kind of common challenges that you've encountered and how do you avoid them? Or if you can avoid them, you know, how, how are you mindful along, of them along the way? Okay, so... Some of the challenges, obviously, as we look, every project has a challenge. Every project has things to come up. I think the big thing is be aware they're going to happen. Don't be shocked when they do. And, and as you look at the people, everyone in the organization is driving towards the same goal. So if they're giving you a roadblock, giving you a challenge, use the two things on the side of your head and listen. Because at the end of the day, um, they're, they're not saying it to be difficult. Usually they're saying it because they've got concerns. So if you don't listen to the concerns you can't address. So I think the big thing for me for, for challenges is listen and make sure you're very clear on where you're going, keep your communications, keep your stakeholders close and, and generally just be prepared to navigate through uh, the stuff that comes at you through that project. And I guess all that feedback helps with the how, right? When you are getting that feedback from people. Oh, yes. It, it is. Oh, they're, they're definitely not short of feedback here. So yes. <laughs> Very good, very good. And look, you 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 touched on this earlier, but you know your view of transformation is it very much um, project based with deadlines and milestones, or do you think it's 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 more that a evolving state that it's just a just an ongoing thing? Is is there ever an end state to transformation? Yeah, well, going back to my definition of transformation, if you think it's creating new channels, removing channels, or big change, you'll get customer fatigue. And you'll certainly get organizational fatigue if you're doing that amount of change constantly. But I think what you do need to have is a growth mindset and a continuous improvement mindset constantly. 
because I think you need to be constantly evolving your business, but does it need to always be transformational? I'd probably say not. That would probably be more detrimental than, than actually improving the business. So I think it's keeping a huge focus, go back to the customers, the value of the organization. It may sometimes be transformational. It may other times be an enablement. Each one drives value, but just focus on the good of the organization and customer and you'll, you'll find your way through. So uh, interesting that you mentioned change fatigue, because I know that's coming up quite a bit at the moment. How do you manage that with your team if, if they are facing that, um, you know, that onslaught of, oh, God, it's, it's just all a lot at the moment? Yeah, well, we've just come off three, three big go-lives, so we're kind of in that stage now. So it's allowing time to breathe at times. So, and that's what I mean about the constant change. If you roll change after change after change after change, that's where the fatigue kicks in. So it's celebrating the successes, having that pause, um, kind of high-fiving that you've got where you've got, and then start laying the roll for the next pieces. So it's a bit like life. You've got to remember to breathe as you go through it. Um, otherwise, you, you, you lose the enjoyment out of it as well. And at the end of the day, we're all here for an enjoyment as well as, as delivering those great values. Now, one thing that you and your team worked on, um, which was part of um, the, the CIO 50 um, entry for this year that you and your team put through, was about your spread smart technology and, and you're using um, machine learning as part of that. Can you tell us a bit more about what that involves? Um, machine learning and AI seems to be very hot, hot topics at the moment. Yeah, so we, we had a, a value, obviously our fixed wing um, planes had a value proposition, which was a tool called SpreadSmart. And what that was is a GPS control tool at the back, which allows, uh, as the flame, plane flies over from a GPS point of view, it releases the fertilizer exactly uh, at the right and where we want it as we go through. We were getting limited customer traction at the time, even with this great technology in the market, until we put in our geospatial technologies alongside. And what we did with our geospatial technologies is we used machine learning to discover waterways, bushes, shrubs the aspect ratio to make sure that we could actually have strategic conversation with the farmers of where the FERT would drive the most value. What that then does is load into the plane and connects to that GPS system, which means the FERT goes on exactly the places set on the map for the strategic conversation. It puts it in the right place. So if you think from a productivity point of view from our farmers, um, on average, it's about 17% um, less FERT they need to drive the productivity they get out. So huge saving for farmers, huge value proposition, great for our environment. Uh, and a massive value proposition that nobody else in New Zealand is doing. The other piece we did geospatially is the actual way a plane flies across um, the whole paddocks. Obviously, there's fuel involved, other things. So we built a geospatial flight modeling tool, which basically decides the swath, the path the plane needs to fly to most optimally fly a land based on where, where the um, paddocks are and how they get across that. And from there, again, another reduction in cost for the farmer, but also reduction in fuel we use to apply the fertilizer across and a great environmental benefit. And our farmers, when we go out with the maps, even if they've not seen us before, they instantly lean in, they instantly start understanding there's value straight there for the customer, but more importantly for us, uh, we get exactly what we want, which is the four hours. We talk about right product, right place, right time. And then the bit that's the most difficult in our industry is right amount. And that right amount is where the geospatial technology comes in because based on where the sun is, based on the aspect, based on the slope of the hill, we can work out exactly where the right foot is to go. And then it's all automatic. The pilot does nothing. He just flies over the land and it releases the fertilizer in the right place. So it's a huge win by the team here. I'm very proud of the work they've done. It's amazing. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And great to see those results for your customers too. Um, so David, as Chief Digital Officer, um, how do you work with and collaborate um, with you know, your leadership team at Balance, but also the, the wider organization? How do you influence it? Yeah, I'll start at the board level. So uh, what we do with the board is every quarter, we, the team and I go to the, the board and we show them the innovations we've done over the previous quarter and we show them the innovations we're going to do over the next quarter. What that does is twofold. One, the board see where their investment's going. They see the on-farm value we're driving and that gets them excited. The second thing is they see the great people delivering the work. They get to meet the board directly. So you get this really good vibe between the two where uh, shareholders now uh, feel like our board members are also our customers. They're farmers and growers themselves. So you see them get lit up by the, the excitement of where they're doing, but they also give direct feedback of things that would resonate with farmers to the team. So that's one way we get the board. At a leadership level, I'm very lucky to work with a very good set of leaders here, which are very supportive. So we meet weekly um, with a business pulse where we look at how the business is, is transacting, how we're doing our operational work. And then we dedicate two days a month purely to look at strategy. So how are we tracking on the current strategy, but also lifting up to look out. We got the future kind of paved the right way. So at a leadership level, we're all very much aligned on exactly what the key things are, what are the key things we're driving for which means we're a good unit going after it together. And as we go down the organization, um, as we start innovations, such as the ones I talked about, or even our third plan assistant, um, we don't start with a technology solution. We start with a problem or an opportunity. And we do design thinking workshops with the stakeholders and business with us. We walk them right from the problem through to a prototype, which means what we get is we get wider thinking on the problem also, on top of that, we end up with a much richer solution at the end, but our stakeholders are bought in as well because they've been part of the journey from the start to the, the if you like, the solution design that starts to come out the end. So that's kind of how we go up and across as some of the ways we used to engage the business. Very collaborative. Um, so technology has been brought into sharp focus, um, particularly in the last few years with, with the pandemic. How do you think the role of CIO has changed? Do you think that it, um, you know, when, when everyone was sent home and we we're all hybrid working, um, do you think it's changed the role of CIO or is it just, um, you know, an ever evolving one anyway? Uh, I think, I think it's, I don't think the role of the CIO has changed in the last 20 years from my perspective, as in the role of the CIO has always been the same thing. Are you driving for the customer? Are you driving for the organization? I think what the pandemic did was change the focus of some organizations, which is a different issue altogether. So if you, for instance, didn't have a workforce that worked at home, obviously your most value driving piece then is to make sure that workforce can work at home. If you were in retail, for example, you didn't have an online presence, obviously nobody's heading to bricks and mortar. So your focus now becomes, obviously, I need to now get an online online um, system so that they can come in and not have to come on premise to buy. So if you look from that point of view, it's the focus that shifts and it's not just pandemic. Any business at any point can be hit by something pretty drastic and it's been having a strategy you can adapt, pivot and move on. But as far as the CIO role, it's always picking what is the most valuable thing you should be working on right now and be aware that could change any day, any minute based on a pandemic, a global issue. So for example, for us, if there was a big global issue and we stopped getting rock in from other countries, that our whole business would have to pivot to go, how do we get our, our raw materials to be able to manufacture our product? And that would become our driving goal. 
So I think for me, the CR role hasn't changed. Focus is due based on those, those priorities and things that come at us. So what do you think are some of the, um, I guess, key attributes of a successful modern day CIO, particularly when it comes to leadership? Yeah, this feels like a question I should ask you, Kathy, because you've probably <laughs> spoken to a lot more younger, <laughs> vibrant CIOs than myself. Um, I think what I'll talk to instead is more around what I think would make a great C-level leader. And I think in this day and age, you think of all the change we've talked about, you think of the pandemics, you think of everything that's committed us constantly. I think that empathetic people leadership piece is, is much higher than it used to be when I first started out in leadership. And I think it's really important because you can't get there by yourself. How do you get the people behind you? How do you get the people supporting? I think if you've not got that people leadership and connection, then a C-level role is not for you because it's about galvanizing your people rather than you on the tools. So that would be a key one for me. The other one is to be very outcome driven as is any C-leader piece. So uh, the technology, the tools, uh, that's basically your crutch that you sit on, but it's not what, why you're employed there. You're employed to drive values. What are the outcomes you're driving with your little toolbox you've got on the side rather than the toolbox itself? So I think it's really important those two things together, uh, two grounding things for any C-level leader. So don't rely on your tools uh, and make sure you're really getting your people on that journey with you because you need them. And you need the whole organization, not even just your own department. So it, that empathy piece, I think, is really important. So when it comes to your own people, then, how are you creating, you know, a good culture at Balance and making sure that, you know, your team is is thriving and really, um, I guess, smashing those 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 personal and professional goals? Yeah, so I think it comes down to three things people want in most organizations. They want an organization with belonging to. They want a leader with following. And the last one they want is a job worth doing. So if we go to the, the top one, what we do around an organization with following, we've just literally finished, as in last week, what we call our 800 strategy rollout. So there's about 800 people across uh, balance. And we have everybody turn up at workshops across uh, the whole nation where we basically go through, here's the head and tailwinds that we've got as an organization to face. Here's the key strategy we're doing to drive it. But this is the important part. We then get them to shape it. And we get them in to start shaping the strategies with us regionally in their areas to see if they resonate. The whole question we've got is, have we got this? Are we heading the right way? Are we doing the right thing for our customers and get them to help shape or forward? So that helps them get that feel that the organization is somewhere they want to be. We also have a COWS program. Uh, and our COWS program here stands for Care, Ownership, Wellbeing and Safety. And the, the COWS program started off on the premise of we want people to go home safe and well. So, and to do that, People are more likely to take ownership to tell people they're doing something stupid if they care about them. So we started this whole piece around care and well-being and caring for your fellow workers. That's now turned into our culture here at Balance. And if you join Balance, no matter where you've joined in the country, everyone comes to Mount Monganui. They spend two days on a cows course, which tells them how we show up, how we behave and, and how they, they need to care for their other people, how we look after well-being. And also on top of that, every month, we send out videos and exercises to do as teams to make sure we keep the conversation relevant and going. Um, as we break that down um, and go to different areas, we, if we talk about the leaders, we believe everyone should lead from every, every seat. So when we talk about leaders, we don't mean management, we mean leaders. Um, so we have programs here such as our Stage 1 Leadership. We have Leadership 2.0 that we send people on to get them to be their better selves. How do they grow? How do they bring other people and how do they lead? 
And then the last thing for us, which is the job worth doing, is everyone has like a, an optimized success factors kind of KPI style piece. But what we try and do is really show people how that connects to the wider business priorities and the strategies so they understand their piece and the big puzzle of, of what they're driving and how it moves forward. So that kind of three together is kind of how we look at trying to get our engagement and our people. And leadership effectiveness is something that we, we call out specifically from our engagement service to make sure that we've got the right leaders driving this forward. Of course, another part of um, you know, a successful workplace and successful teams is diversity. And traditionally, IT has been um, you know, not the, the most diverse, but it is getting better. What practical things do you think can be done um, by IT leaders and what you're doing there at Balance to attract more people who have different ways of thinking, who have who come from different backgrounds, who perhaps have you know, different age groups? How can we get a more diverse workforce in, in IT roles? It's, it's a great question and a great problem to solve. I think you nailed it in your first sentence, which is that different thinking. That's what it brings, the critical thinking. Um, do I think we've done some steps and work in the IT area and it's got better? Yes, over the 20 years have been here better, but we've got a long way to go. Um, I think one of the biggest barriers I see is the unwillingness these days to train and educate. Uh, you look at a lot of roles out there and the 10 years experience needed. So it's a big barrier of entry for anyone that wants to come in. So if you're thinking about trying to um, create an inclusive culture, it's an instant barrier to people to come forward. But I think the other thing we need to do is attract people from across businesses. If you look at other departments, there's a lot of bilateral moves that happen between those departments. And then you get to the IT department, it tends not to, to move the same way. And we've got three people in our team that have come bilaterally from the rest of the business. So I've got somebody called Danusha. She used to be head of marketing. She now runs my digital um, piece of work, which is great. I have Sharon Pearson, used to run customer services. She now runs my infrastructure networking and help desk. I have Christina Finlayson, that used to be in farm sustainability. She then moved into innovation. She now runs my enterprise solutions team. And they're all bringing huge value from the rest of the business into the IT team. So it's really connected us to the wider business. We have meetings where they can drive what's been happening in the other areas. We have really robust meetings with these people in because they're thinking differently uh, than your standard IT. So I think it's an important one to solve, but I think there's a long way to go. But I think the first part is to stop thinking of they have to have the knowledge and they have to have been ingrained in IT to come into the IT department. As soon as we break down those walls, we'll get that different thinking coming in. Absolutely. And, and great to hear that you're doing that at Balance. Um, so, David, when you reflect back on your own career, um, are there any kind of mistakes or things that when you, when you reflect on them, they were a great learning experience for you and re really shaped you as a leader? Yeah, what do they call it? Rich for opportunity. Um, <laughs> so it, there's been plenty of um, those through my, my career, but the one that springs to mind was probably early on when it was probably my first leadership gig. Um, I'd created what I would craft as a beautiful strategy and vision. It was straight out of the box. I thought it was so good. I went around all the different countries selling it. I went to the board. I did this huge hurrah thing and uh, got all the money approved. And it was about in the second year of the program of work, everything else had gone well. This is one piece of technology that just would not work. And a little bit of my pride was in there because this is kind of the first big strategy you'd done over a multi-year. And I just kept believing the vendors that it was going to happen. And I probably held on to it three months too long. As a result, I put the business through three months of pain they didn't know need to go through. 
in my gut, I knew it was never going to get there, but my pride was stopping making the decision. I eventually made the decision, put the technology in, and within a few months, we had a great outcome. I think the big learning for me was just that, that always thinking of the enterprise, always think of the customer. It's not about you. Drop the pride and just get on with it. It's, it's not an attack on you if it doesn't quite work because we've all been there. Strategy can make sense, but reality will always trump strategy. So if the reality is not playing up to the strategy, adapt, move. And I'm glad I did it early in my career and not in some of my more expensive, larger projects. Um, but I've learned from that that just let the pride go. And if you have to pivot and have to change, just do it. It's, it's doing what's right, uh, not what you decided at the beginning. So is there any other advice um, that you'd have for um, someone who's aspiring to be a, a chief digital officer or in an IT leadership role? I go back. I've had a lot of great leaders I've worked for. I've been very, very fortunate. So I've had a lot of advice. But there's two pieces that always resonated with me that I always tell my leaders and other people. And the first one was to be purpose-led. And that advice came from the fact of don't chase a role, don't chase a title, chase what you love doing. So figure out what it is you love. And what will happen is you'll grow in that career, you'll grow in that path anyway, because you're doing something that actually inspires you to go. And you'll get a lot more fulfillment out of the fact you've just got to see a new title. And um, so that was some early advice I got given by a very astute leader and really resonated with me. The other one for me is risk-taking, um, to take risks. And to give you an example of, of risk-taking, when I got this advice, I'd tried to be a CIO for so long, I'd finally got a CIO role going forward, and then this opportunity came up to be GM business transformation for a company. So completely moving away from your wheelhouse, that no IT in the role at all. This is about changing the business, working out um, basically our product, how we're going to get, get it to the market, all these kind of things you're not used to. So... I almost didn't take the role um, from fear. So I was sat kind of paralyzed and a great leader came to me and said to me, go, what are you scared about? And they, they gave me a really good piece of advice, which is the roles that are scariest tend to be the roles where you get the most growth. Um, and I spent four years doing the GM business transformation role and I did more growing in that four years than probably the previous 20 years of my career. And um, did I make mistakes? Yep but I picked myself to sit up and, uh, and got on with it. But I, I would never regret doing that again. Uh, the advice I give to anyone is you have to take chances if you're going to move forward. And, um, and the worst thing that could have happened, and this is what he said to me at the time, is you can always get another CIO role somewhere else if it doesn't work out. But you won't know whether you can do a transformation role or not. So why don't you go and try something you haven't tried? And uh, I'm really thankful for that person for pushing me into that, uh, how do you put it, uncomfortable zone. Um, because I wouldn't be here I was today if it wasn't for that. Absolutely. Pressure makes diamonds and all of that. <laughs> Sometimes. Could have been crushed coal, but this time it worked, which is good. <laughs> Very good. And so, look, we are a few months into 2023. You know, we've got some uh, some uh, headwinds uh, um, facing us with the um with the economy and potentially a change of government and, and policy that, that may come. Um, what, what's important to you in the months ahead? Yeah, it's um, if we look at what's happening with our farmers, they've got increased legislations happening. We've got climate change. Just think of the weather events across New Zealand that have just happened. There's a lot of farmers and a lot of pain going forward. On top of that, with things like carbon bills, everything else, there's a lot of their farmland being turned into trees, other areas. Um, yeah, we've got a growing population. Um, so the population is growing, so we need to feed. So if you think of the farmer's challenge, this is balance's challenge as well, because this is what we're, we're signing up to do, is they've got to get more from less. They've got less land, but they've got to feed more people. 
So they're really trying to do that productivity on a lighter footprint. So what we're really focused on, this is where digital plays a massive role. How do we use our digital technologies to help them be more productive, help them farm that land, help them farm it sustainably and drive forward? So we've got a lot of work in our geospatial area, a lot of work in the machine learning area we're doing to help our farmers become more productive. And that's our, our big focus is really to help our farmers. That's why we're here. That's why we're a cooperative. Well, it's a great purpose. And we uh, wish you all the best with the year ahead. David Healy, Chief Digital Officer at Balance Agri-Nutrients. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Kathy.